Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Well, good morning, church. Um, my name is Jason. Um, I think most of you here may not know me because I do not know a lot of you here as well. After COVID, it feels like we are in a brand new world, brand new season, and I'm so grateful to be able to still come to this house that I call my home to speak, to encourage, to spur one another on with the Word of God. And uh, uh, that this morning, I just kind of feel a little bit nervous because firstly, we have not, I've not spoken on pulpit in, in this kind of setting for a long time, so it feels like I need to work that muster again. And secondly, it has been really a long week for me and my family. Uh, ever since Tuesday, my son, uh, Nathan, kind of like fell ill and had a high fever for, that lasted for the last five days till today. Um, and uh, I mean, in the middle of the night, he couldn't sleep. And uh, of course, we all, when he can't sleep, we all also won't be able to sleep. So we, have, we are lacking of sleep and all. And in the end, yesterday, we were at A&E uh, for five, six hours in the middle of the night till about 11, 12 midnight and found that he actually has bronchitis and uh, pneumonia. So right now, the, my wife is alone at home tanking, and I'm feeling a little bit weak, and I feel like I have nothing to offer this morning. I said that there's no opportunity for me to prepare anything, but my wife said, you got time to prepare, and I said, of course not, no time. Lah. Then how? I said, the last five days is my preparation. <laughs> the living of that life. Of trying to wrestle through this is the very preparation I gave the church staff. Uh, I mean, an outline. I just kind of wants to do something to just submit. Let's kind of Singaporean. Just want to send up your whatever, yeah. And I just want to say that it may not turn out to whatever that I'm going to be speaking. <laughs> the outline is just for show, but I just want to say that <laughs> you won't get any slides today. So you just look at me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the message. <laughs> And um, yeah, I really feel like I have nothing to offer this morning. But you know, there's, there's this thing that I just feel like it's in the midst of weakness that God actually shows himself strong. And um, in fact, the original plan that I wanted to speak this week is to present, you know, to call us to embrace a life of weakness and God in His, in his sovereignty and poet, I mean, his, his, in His in his kind of like a poetry in terms of how he does with men's lives that he put you through that whole process of making you feel weak so that you can speak from that place. And, uh, and this morning, I want to actually talk about weakness. To find confidence in our weakness. I just want to pray first before I jump into the Word and, and let's ask God to make Himself strong this morning, shall we? You don't want to hear a voice of a weak man. You want to hear the voice of the Lord that will strengthen us. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the dignity that you give to us as humanity that is in the place of our weakness, that you came to show yourself strong. God, we know that in our midst today, Everyone who is sitting in this room, you see every struggle, every pain, every wrestle that we have in this lifetime. That in the midst of our reach for you, 
those wrestle that we face, God, we know that you see, you know, and you understand. And we're just asking for your power to break in today, to give us courage, to give us confidence, to know that you actually delight in us even when we feel nothing. Even when we feel like our flesh is failing, when our soul is overwhelmed, when everything around us seems to be dark, but we know that you delight in our reach for you, even in our weakness. So God, I just pray that whatever reach there's in this room this morning, that we have in these two hours, I'm asking for your power to break in and through to make manifest your son and make him known because the man on that cross, when God was displayed before all men, it, was, it came from a form of weakness. And I know that you like to take weak and broken things to glorify your name. And I'm asking you that you will do it in our midst today, that we will be able to share in that little moment with you that we can know your emotions and all that you want to reveal to us this morning to give us courage to persevere, to press on until we come to that day where we can see you face to face, that you say, well done, good and faithful. God, we just thank you again for this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I just want to say that all of us here, I'm sure and I'm very certain that we all struggle in life. None of you here are perfect, right? I mean, even Christ himself struggles. So. And I believe that over the last two, two years plus of COVID has kind of also emphasized and amplified that reality of the weakness and the brokenness in our lives. And I must say that for the last two years, the one thing that I've learned in the midst of that wrestle, of that weakness and brokenness that we all face, is that I actually learned to grow in confidence in God's delight over my weakness. Do you know that God actually delights over your weakness? And I just want to say that when I talk about weakness, I'm not talking about compromise that actually destroys us. When I talk about weakness, I'm talking about a reach in our hearts for God and those decisions that we make in our life that reaches God, that, cause our, that causes our flesh to become weak, that state of weakness that we enter into in our reach for God, I'm talking about that kind of weakness and God actually dignified that reach even though when we don't even feel like we have that strength but there's this thing inside of us that's reaching. He actually delights over that. You know, the last two years, you know, I may be doing prayer room for every day. In fact, I've been doing prayer for the last two years, rather not online, on-site. We basically have been doing this little thing called pray, a prayer room where we just sit around the presence of God and minister to Him to behold His beauty, to inquire in His temple, and to basically learn to find rest. You know, maybe people think that, wow, Jason, you so sell on in the midst of COVID, you still can't do this, you know, still so much perseverance and steadfastness. I just want to say that, to be really honest, the last two years, I may be in that kind of environment, but I wasn't thriving. Honestly, I was, I was battling through many things in my heart, and there were disappointments and offense and you know, with God and with people, 
due to the unfulfilled expectation of things. Like I spent my last seven years building something and then all of a sudden everything just kind of like crumbles back to ground zero. 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 And there's that kind of mismatch of expectation of like, God, I've been doing so much for you, but everything seems to be come back to nothing. And this, mis- this kind of unfulfilled desire and expectation has left a lot of battle scar and it kind of feels the sense of disappointment and offense with God, with people, and the pain and the struggle that I face for the last plus two, two plus years with everything that, that kind of like that I have to confront has kind of caused my heart to be in a state of perpetual distraction. You know, when you feel weak, you know what you want to do? You want to hide. You want to fill things up in your life to cover this weakness so that you, won't, you don't want to face that weakness and the depravity of your soul. Isn't that what we do when we are stressed out? We shop. We binge it. In fact, what happened to me was I binged Naruto 500 I'm confession right now. 500 episodes, 20 minutes in every episode. Within three months, I finish it. <laughs> Just calculate the math. I don't know how, I mean, I spent a lot of time watching Naruto. <laughs> and I even taught my son how to do some of the science. Not only that, you know, to kind of self-medicate the pain, I'm quite a good gamer. All right? If I don't become a pastor or full-time you know, ministry. I might be a professional gamer, earning millions of dollars playing, you know, Dota and stuff like that, <laughs> and become a prolific gamer and earn some money and just play games. And to self-medicate that pain of like weakness, I binge in gamings. Y'all can can be my. <laughs> we played games together here and there. I mean, my wife's like, stop playing, just stop gaming. Uh. Do you think Daniel Lim will do this? Do you think? I said, I'm in pain, man. <laughs> and it was really so much to bear that I actually binge myself. I mean, binge on Netflix, you know, binge on games. And, and it has affected m- many areas of my life. With my marriage, with my wife, the way I interact with my son, it kind of caused tension point. The more I try to hide my weakness, the more problems I get. Can I see some yes and amen, those family people? You stay at home for too long, you get more problems, right? <laughs> and the truth is this, despite of the fact that I have gone through all this like pain and all, I mean, I, I just want to, yeah, you won't be seeing me anymore because I sold my laptop yesterday, and uh, so I won't be playing game with you. It's about, like one of my resolutions to just remove my distractions. <laughs> You know, but throughout the last two years, despite of all the struggle and the pain, I must say that there were moments where I felt the kindness of the Lord and the gentleness of His heart towards my heart, you know, in apprehending me in the prayer room from time to time. I just kept showing up, even though I'm so distracted as a human being because I was so in pain in my, because of my weakness. There were moments and pockets of time where I felt the Lord actually came and apprehend my heart and just kind of like validate that inner reach that I still have within me. I know that I was, I'm very distracted by the fact that I was in prayer room because there was a certain reach that I want, that I have for God. And the truth is, there's a reach. I know this is not where I'm supposed to be. And I really want God. 
And I really want God to break through in my life, to overcome my weakness, to help me to grow in maturity. But yet pain and the pain of our weakness overwhelms us and then we give ourselves to things. But yet God is so merciful that even when we do nothing, but when He sees a little reach, He actually comes to you and gives you courage and touch your heart and says, it's okay, just keep coming. Keep showing up. You know, there's something about brokenness and weakness that God is really drawn to. In fact, if you read Psalms 51, verse 6 to verse 7, 16 to 17, you have to turn your Bibles because there's no slide for you. So look at me or look at your Bible. Well, we have to prepare for emergency, right? You know, we can't just look at crisis like COVID, it happens and we just have to. So things like that we have to expect in church. Not every week you get the, the screen. So just, just be... Psalms 51, verse 16 to 17, this is what David said in the midst of his weakness, the struggle, but yet there was a reach in his heart to make things right. He says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it to you. And you are not pleased with burnt offerings, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and verse 2, it says, The Lord said, Thus says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. But what is the house that you have built for me? What is the place of rest? All these things my hand has made and all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I will look upon. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. 2 Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth so that he may make himself strong, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. There is something about brokenness and weakness re that really draws and attracts God. His eyes constantly run to and fro, not looking for big, mega, super structure that we can build for him. He's always looking for things that actually, that looks broken, but yet there is a sincere reach that comes to him, that he's drawn to that. And the truth is this, we human beings don't like to be weak. We don't like the feeling of being weak, especially for us here in Singapore. I don't know about you, in secondary school, weak, weakness is something that we use to mock people. You weakling. Ah. How you cannot do this? Ah? Weak. Lah. Have you all said that to someone before? I did. I always... <laughs> Confession of sin. And we mock people for being weak. It's something that we don't, you know, embrace, something that we hate. In fact, if we can do all that we can to just portray an image of strength and might, we'll do it. We'll do anything or, any, or to just kind of like to do anything that we can to actually present an image of being respectable, of being strong, of being significant. In order for us to survive in this world, we need to be strong. We need to express a sense of strength and, and significance. And, and this is kind of like how we cover up the lack in our lives. I mean, this is the true reality of us as human beings. We don't like to be weak. We will try everything that we can in our human effort and strength to portray ourselves as strong people. And that's the issue that God has with Israel. Whenever they turn to other sources of strength, to things, 
to the blessings that God has given to them and making them their strength, God begins to do something to mess them up until they become broken and that they will actually realize that God is what they need. God wants that reach in our hearts. You know, the most popular section in every bookstore these days is the self-help section, right? When you go to a bookstore, we oftentimes will look what's the best, the next bestseller in terms of the self-help um, books that we have, right? And uh, because everyone is looking for a formula of success, we want to learn from these so-called gurus who has gained some, who had gained some level of respectability, who have shown some measure of success in this world through a winning formula that they have built in their lives, and they want to and they want to sell and just let you and market and tell you that you can do it too. All you have to do is just take this winning formula that I've built for myself in this life and you can be a better version of you and you can become significant and strong. So take all these concepts and winning formulas so that you can be a better version of yourself to gain respectability on this earth that people will actually will like you, will follow you, will embrace you. And we'll pay thousands of dollars to just attend a seminar and a conference to hear these gurus to impart their winning formula of success. The truth is we all desire to be celebrated by the society, like how these guys are being celebrated. And we want to be known for our strength and, our, and the power to actually gain this world. This is our human nature. We want strength and power. Yet Jesus, the one whom we came to worship today, showed us otherwise. He showed us the way of winning is losing. The way he won this world is by losing this world. The way he won our hearts is by losing his life. Jesus is not a self-help guru, just in case you do not know that. He didn't come and teach us a set and of uh, or concepts to life so that we can have a better way of living life on the earth. He's far more than that. He's not here to give us a better life because give us a few concepts in the Bible so that we can use these positive concepts to make our life better, to influence this world better and stuff. He's not a guru or a self-help guru to, that does that for us. He's more than that. In fact, he's not just he's not even that. He's far more than that. He's the highest revelation of what man is to God. Jesus is not just a perfect image of God in flesh, but he's also the perfect image of humanity in flesh. He is the very image that all of us as human beings are called to conform into. And he actually came to show us what human looks like in the eyes of God. That bears the image of God. And it's something that we don't really like. In Isaiah 53, that says this, the, the prophet says this, that he has no beauty that man should desire him. Why? Because the things that we have in this way is far more desirable than a weak and broken man on the cross. That life, who wants to be broken? Who wants to be weak? Who wants to be self-sacrificial? Who is in natural mind says that, I want to self-sacrifice for the world to be loved. Did you wake up this morning with the thought, I want to come to church and self-sacrifice? Did you? 
I did not. I was trying to just stay in my bed since I'm scared. <laughs> I got nothing to give, no preparation. I'm scared. We all came with an intention to just, what can I get out from today's service, isn't it? How can I be more blessed? How can my kids get more st- oh, no, teaching? It. We all came with more like, how can we get out from this? No one came, I'm, I, I mean, maybe there are people who came here this morning, those who serve here, sacrifice their sleep to come in the morning. They might be the one that says, I have come here to sacrifice my time and effort to practice early so that people can be blessed. But I'm very certain that none of us have woke up in the morning with the first thought that says, how can I self-sacrifice myself so that someone else can flourish? It's not natural and wired in us. But yet Jesus gave us a picture of what humanity looks like. I just want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 3. Paul urged us to embrace the call which God has predestined from the beginning of time by walking in a manner that is contrary to what the world would deem as strength. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. You know, humility is not really celebrated in a corporate setting because everyone is about how can I exert my strength to come to the top. It's the, it's the whole corporate ladder challenge. You know, I don't think, you know, gentleness is something that is, is something that we actually, you know, to give, it's positive in some sense. We say the girl is gentle, that's nice. But when I say a guy is gentle, it's like, they was call him CC. <laughs> right? But yet, it is something that Christ exhibited, patience, bearing one another in love. I mean, we can't even bear our wife sometimes. I confess my sin. We wrestle a lot and we're trying to, I can't even do this well. How am I supposed to do it well with the church? I make a covenant to love my wife, the one that I really love, that I give my whole life and whole body to. I can't even do this well and I want to bear love for the church that I don't even know. I don't even know your face. I can't even say that I can give my life to die. I can't even die for her sometimes. I can't die for you. I want to kill her more than wanting to die for her sometimes. Honest. Right? She want to kill me more than I want to kill her, actually. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the mercy of Constance over my life. I've been jerky a lot of time. Literally. And the whole manner of that walk to embrace the call that God has given to us is a walk of weakness. It causes our entire frame of being to feel weak. There's nothing strong about humility. When you do something so good but no one recognizes you and the gift recognizes somebody and you have to actually bear that, that weakness of, but I, I did that, but I have to humble myself. I cannot claim that, don't want to claim that credit. And the call that Paul was talking about is not the fivefold ministry because I know that in Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold gift and we think about it as the fivefold call that you are called to be apostle, prophets. That's not the main gist of what Paul was trying to say. The call that he's talking about is this. It's basically in verse 13. 
He's calling us to basically, to, the, the call that God has given to us is to come to a place where we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature we belong to the fullness of Christ. Basically, to cut that phrase down to this summary, it says we are called to be conformed into the very likeness and the image of Christ. Mature manhood looks like something, looks like Christ. And the maturity of Christ that has been put on display in his manhood for all men to see is a broken man on the cross. That is the picture of maturity in the eyes of God for humanity. A self-sacrificing human being bear the weight of the world, giving himself away and to embrace a life of weakness with a strong reach to please God. You know, the winning formula that Jesus used to dethrone the power of darkness and the power of this age is through a position of weakness. Jesus could have come in a frame of a divine being, like some of this angelic being that is scary, that's like, I am different from you, right? More powerful, more splendid, more spectacular, but he chose to come in our frame. Do you know what is your frame made of? Thus, Jesus will come in and enter into a world like how Thor, the God of Thunder, will have come into the world. Just split the heavens and just come down with power and might showing some lightning and thunder to off to kind of like display his strength. But he chose to, dis- he chose to come to the womb of a woman and to go through the process of learning how to walk, how to eat, how to sleep, how to grow into maturity as a boy to a man. He chose to go through that process of weakness. The uncreated God who lives in that transcendent glory and space would actually condescend himself to bear your image to clothe in your garment and begin to walk the path that you have walked, to experience the weakness that we, our bodies will all experience and you will walk through the earth to basically bear the weakness of our human frame just so that He can show you what God looks like. Jesus could have come in any form, but He chose to come in the form of weakness and that's how He disempowered the works of darkness. In fact, Jesus Himself experienced extreme weakness in, a, in his soul and in his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane. If we think that, oh, Jesus is that perfect man, yes, he is a perfect man, but he's a perfect man with real human soul, with real body that experienced real struggle like you and I. He had to go through everything that we have, been, that we have gone through. And he experienced extreme weakness in his soul and in his flesh in a garden. So much so in some of the absurd in Luke that says that he even, his his sweat became blood, that even angels have to come to minister and to strengthen him. He requires divine strengthening. You know, but the thing is this, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus basically, not only, he did not just go and power through this himself, he needed friends. To go into the garden with him and says, stay with me, I'm feeling sorrowful, I'm feeling grieved, I feel like dying on the inside. I need friends. Jesus, 
God. That wrestle of the fact that he would say, my flesh is weak, but Father, my spirit is willing. If you can, can you let this cup pass me by? But nevertheless, God, if this pleases you, there is a reach in my heart to please you. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, choosing God in this lifetime will make you weak. You know why? Because this world that we live in doesn't want the rule of God. Doesn't value the ways and the values of the kingdom. We talk about humanity liking strength. This world that we have built, that we have built over the last thousands of years since the fall of Eve of, of the garden, since the fall of Adam, has been built on human effort and strength because this is how we cover up our weakness and our brokenness. And whatever that we have today is part of the consequence of that fall that now we are all hiding behind the fixed sense of strength and prosperity and riches and peace that we think that this thing can actually make us feel like we are great. But deep down in our soul, we know that we are, we are depra deprived as human beings. And then God is actually looking for people who will say, you have to recognize that because in order for you to have the real life that I want to give to you, you have to lose this present life that you have built for yourself. And it feels very weak. Why? Because this world don't celebrate that. As long as you have this body of yours here, you bite? Is it painful? Yes. As long as you feel this body of yours here, the, this frame that we all embodies right now, and the, with this body, you are reaching God on a daily basis. You are here to pursue God. The more you pursue Him, the deeper you go into a place of knowing Him and growing in intimacy with Him. The more you choose God in this side of eternity with this flesh, the weaker your flesh is going to feel. This is reality of our Christian faith. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And the more we choose God in this world, we are going to feel this flesh of ours fail. And it grows weaker and weaker by day. And this is a hard truth in some sense for our Christian faith. I know God gave us free gift of salvation that we can enjoy the full blessings of God. But whenever you choose God, you are actually walking against the very current of this age and the more you go to turn your hearts towards God the more you're going to feel this flesh and soul of yours becoming weaker and weaker but you know what's the good you know what's the good news of the story he won't let us remain in a place of weakness without help Jesus embodies weakness, but he is being helped by God. And the end of the story is not a broken man on the cross. That is just a corner of the story. The story did not end with a weak and broken man on the cross. The end of the story is the resurrection power 
breaking into this weak and, body, weak and broken frame. And with all of God's might and power, He raised Him up, not just to be a king on the earth, but to raise Him up in the highest heaven and give Him a name which is above every name that you can think about and that in one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that everyone will actually love and give honor and strength and glory to this man because he has descended to, the, to a place of nothingness. God chose to lift him up to the highest to give him a great name, to give him power and strength that we all long for. That is not given by man, by God himself. Weakness and suffering is not the end of the story, but the glory and the power of God to make every wrong things right is the end of the story. All that is required of us in this age is to persevere in the midst of our weakness and to remain steadfast in our reach for Him. I love the saying of one of my friends in Kansas City, if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit reaching for God, you win. If you don't quit reaching and pressing into God in your, even in the place of your weakness, in a place of your trials and testing when you feel overwhelmed. If you don't quit but just keep on pressing, it says, God help. Eventually, you will reach the final destination and you win. God will vindicate everything that you have lost. I'm going to close with this. You know, one of the greatest truths that angers my heart when when I come to this place of weakness in my body, in my soul, and in my reach for God is this. God is actually moved by my reach for Him, especially when I'm in a state of weakness. When I feel nothing. When I feel I'm not the most deserving. When I don't feel the greatest. When I feel I'm at the lowest point of my life, but yet there's a reach for God. You know that in itself moves the heart of God. Whether you feel it or not, it moves Him. Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9, it says this. I know no one here really read the Song of Songs, so I'm going to let you read one verse. This is, the Shulam, this, is the, this is King Solomon responding to the Shulamite woman in the state of her immature love. And this is what he said. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. Have you ever experienced like when you secretly like someone and then you walk, 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 you keep looking at the girl, so the girl or the boy that you like and suddenly he, she just turned and give you one glance and just happened to see you for a brief moment and turn away and then that feeling that you get? <laughs> Don't pretend, Okay. Whether you're old or young, you'll experience that, right? Uncle, aunties, I know that those there are moments where your wife used to look at you, that you were pursuing your wife, and just give you a short glance, you feel like, oh, it made your entire day. <laughs> and this is the reality of God in our weak and broken moment, where even in the midst of our weakness, we just give God a short glance and says, God help, and we go back into our weakness. It actually moved the heart of God. And the truth is this, if God is moved by our short glance, I'm just wondering, how would God feel when we give Him our gaze in the midst of our weakness? And sometimes we read, you know, verses like 2 Corinthians chapters 
set, I mean, chapter 12, you know, the whole thing about, you know, when I'm weak, he's strong, you know, and the stuff like that. We see it like a Christian formula that we quote, that we just kind of psych ourselves up. When I'm weak, he's strong. And then it's like a formula that we just kind of put it in place that this is how it works. But I choose to believe there's something more to it. It's not a very passive, stoic, it's like you do this and then this will happen. You do this, this will happen. God is dynamic. He moves. He responds. He reacts to the things that we choose in our life, the movements of our heart. He actually moves. And what I believe in those moments when in our weakness, in our brokenness, and as we begin to reach God, that very moment, I can just imagine that I see that rich angels. Do you see that? In the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her weakness, she is looking at me with that one glance. Angels, do you see that? Let's do something about it. Let's release some power to energize her. If just one glance can move the heart of God, I'm just wondering if we give him a gaze. You know, when God moves, everything shakes and moves. You are talking about God who sits on his throne, surrounded by power, surrounded by his glory. And just imagine when God stepped out from his throne and he just stepped foot onto a place, everything shake. Isaiah talks about it. When God moves, everything trembles. When God stretch out His hand just like that, everything's begin to change and power begins to be released. I can just imagine the moment in our weakness when we choose to glance and begin to gaze on God and begin to say, God, I'm weak and I'm broken, but there's a reach and I'm giving you my gaze. I can imagine why power can be released because God is moved by that. I have moments with my son these few weeks. He was so weak and broken. It's hard to bear and hard to see. And there were moments where he's so weak, he didn't have enough strength to do a thing. And there's few moments of just, Papa. Put every fiber of my being in my soul to want to do something to comfort him and to strengthen him. And I just cannot imagine if this is how I feel towards my son in his weakness. that as he begin to reach for me, that I would do anything to make him feel better, to strengthen him, to encourage him, to comfort him. I can just imagine God doing that for us. It's not a formula. It's a response of God in the midst of our weakness. That reach to God in our weakness produce a grace that God would actually say, I'm going to stretch out my hands to give you power. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, it's the same thing. I don't think God was unmoved by his act. In fact, the very fact that God was looking at his own son, that was, he was pleased, and he would actually do anything for his son, that even in his weakness, that God actually would respond to his son and say, son, you have done well. I'm going to raise you up and give you the highest place. And the day will come where these people who hate you, they will one day love you. These people who does not know you, they will one day embrace you. I'm going to give you a people that you love. You see, I just, I mean, as I just come and close, close I mean, this is my second closing. And you know, this whole process of weakness that God put us through, is not, it's not because God is sadistic, all right? It's not because God is just, haha, I got creation to play with, I just do a bit on 
things to them, make them feel like this is not the whole gist of how God reads. It's not sadistic. The whole process that, that, we are, that we have gone through in this whole place of weakness is actually His invitation into a place of fellowship and the dignity that He gave to us as human beings to share with the emotions of God. Someone went through it before. God brought Jesus through the process of weakness in order to exhort him at the end of the day. He went through the process of maturity. And this is the thing. God will bring all of us through the process of maturity and ultimately that maturity is going to release a witness to the entire earth because when you have a mature church, you have an undeniable witness of Jesus on the earth because you embody Christ fully on the earth. And this is the whole process that God is committed to bring us through. And it is a very, very hard process for us to bear sometimes. But the truth is this. The whole thing that I believe that sustains us in the whole process of this weakness that we have to go through is the fellowship that we get to have with God Himself. That joy in that fellowship in His suffering, with His suffering, in our suffering, is going to produce a delight and a sense of Comfort in our hearts that knowing that He has been through it, He has conquered it, so will I. And do you know that you are the only created being in the entire world that gets that privilege of fellowshipping with God in that place of suffering? No one else. Not the, not the angels, not the animals. <laughs> No one else. You are the only created being that gets the privilege of being able to fellowship with God in that suffering to, and to find and to feel the emotions of God in His own journey of pain and suffering. I just want to close with this because I, I've had my moments with God. I mean, though I didn't have time to repair, but I had my moments with God with the story of Stephen. If you want to find out where the story of Stephen is, it's in Acts chapter 7, in verse 54. You know, we all know that Stephen is kind of like the first, so-called the first martyr of the church. In fact, his first, pub, his first public ministry was also his last public ministry. It didn't really end it very well. <laughs> it's like, imagine I start my ministry, the first thing that happens to me is I die. Like, I didn't even do anything. No one gets saved. <laughs> This is only after many, many years later than someone get encountered with God, which is Paul. It's like your public ministry is that total, kind of in the eyes of the world, it's like, what a waste. It's like total waste of your time. You just basically put yourself there, you speak a word, and then people have this rage against you, and they started cancelling you, and the way they cancel is by killing you. Today, we just got cancelled in the internet. This guy got cancelled by removal of his life, get stoned. And I can just imagine in that very moment where he was just loving God with all of his heart, trying to please God and knowing that this is the reality of who Christ is and he's bearing witness to his own people in Israel and he basically preached a word to be faithful in his witness and respond to God and then the entire crowd began to rage against him. And I cannot imagine what kind of emotions I would feel if I were Stephen in that moment. I stand on stage and I begin to preach and then all you guys are hating me and wanting to kill me right now. It'll be not just awkward, but it'll be really intense, fearful, overwhelming. 
and your frame and your soul and everything about you will just feel a sense of weakness and you're just questioning yourself, what is going on? Is this going to be the end of me? My first public ministry is also my last. And right at that moment where he saw the crowd rages against him and I could just imagine Stephen in his entirety of his frame feeling weak and then he actually looked up and gazed into heaven. And what he saw What you saw was Jesus standing in heaven in response to his very reach to him in the midst of his circumstances, in the midst of that weakness that he's facing. And it's as though that Jesus himself have a playback of his own time. And he saw Stephen basically experiencing the same thing. And instead of sitting at the right hand of the Father, Jesus actually stood up and says, this looked really familiar. There was a reach from this man. It's just like there was a reach in my heart to my father when I was on that cross, about to be killed. And right at that moment, it's like Stephen looked up into heaven. He saw Jesus standing in response to the various circumstances. It was as though Jesus himself was having a playback of what happened to him. Instead of sitting at the right hand, he stood up in response and to begin to reach and to, and to the reach of Stephen in, in the midst of his weakness. And he basically stood up to give him a response. and says, Stephen, I've been there. Take courage. Because the story is not going to end with that death. The story is going to end in this place where you will be with me in glory. That at the end of the day, this is where you're going to be. be. That you're going to be to stand in the midst of glory and to enjoy the fellowship of all the God's life and communion. You can lose yourself for a brief moment. The momentary afflictions of your soul and flesh cannot be compared to whatever that you're going through. I am a living witness of what you have been through and now here am I. Take heart. I don't know what all of us here are going through. I do not know what you guys, any one of you here are going through in terms of your weakness, in terms of your struggle in this season in life, in the midst of your reach to God. But I just want you to know that this is the one truth that anchors me. And I believe that this is the one truth that will help you. That God delights in that reach in the midst of your weakness. He's moved by that reach when you are experiencing weakness, when you have questions, when you feel tempted in all ways, when you have an opportunity to fight back against the person that hurt you, but you choose the way of humility by forgiving them, those pain that you feel in your flesh, those in your soul, the injustice that you are feeling for doing the right things, and in that reach for God, says, God, I, I'm doing this because I love you, and you feel weak because of all the decisions that you make in your life. God says, I delight over that. And I'm actually moved by it. And this morning, I want to give you an invitation to do what Stephen did. 
to actually have a moment in the midst of whatever they are going through in your life right now, in the midst of your weakness, brokenness, that there's someone in heaven right now who's been through all the emotions that we can feel in a place of weakness, and he's standing there and says that it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. In fact, not only that, I delight in that. And I just feel like the Lord wants to give us courage for some of us here to have confidence in the midst of your weakness. It's okay to be weak. In fact, He wants us to be weak so that He can make Himself strong in and through our lives. Today, to be honest, I come with no expectation of myself because I know I have nothing to offer. <laughs> I'm trying my very best. But what really keeps me in a place of contentment in the midst of my weakness is the fact that I know that whatever that I've done today moves the heart of God and He delights over Him. And so I'm just going to ask all of us to stand to our feet. I'll get a band to come up. And I just want to give an invitation for some of us here in this room to actually to respond to God. Especially those of you who are battling through really severe measure of a sense of weakness in your flesh. You feel weak. You feel like you have no more strength. You feel broken because of all that you have gone through in life in the last few years, losing maybe family members or losing precious friendship or whatever form and shape. I do not know. But because of the fact that you there was rich in your heart to do things, to, want, to, to kind of want God, and you actually experience things in life that cause your soul and your frame to become weak, and yet you know that, God, I want to do the right things. I want to still reach you. I still want to have faith in you. I feel like my faith is losing. I feel like I cannot believe in the goodness of God anymore. Whatever weakness and struggle that you are facing, but if as long as there's a reach in you today, I want you to respond to God. Because I really believe that He wants to show Himself strong and to let you know that He delights in that reach and that He wants to give you courage to keep persevering and to have confidence in your weakness. And the more you do that, the greater the maturing process is going to happen and eventually Christ-likeness, that the witness of who Jesus is, is going to be formed in you. <laughs>